Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today is Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. And uh, we have a very full program today. We really uh, appreciate your listening to us. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy uh, what we will have going on today. Uh, After the break, we will be talking with Dan Burke about his new book called Spiritual Warfare and Discernment of Spirits. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a couple other things here right now. I think uh, Thaddeus is with me, and I think he's on the phone getting one of our first portion guests ready to talk. So, uh, Okay, boo. Okay, I think I recognize that voice as someone that I've heard on the air, but I can't remember what station. It's on the station, Gene. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And we have Judy Coma with Good us. Good morning. Good morning. And you have hey. something you want to tell us about something that's going on very soon, correct? I really do. Uh, it seems like it's very soon because I've been a part of this formation team for a couple of months now. Uh, it actually is still a couple of weeks away, but I just am so excited about this. Uh, it's going to take place on April the 4th, which is Palm Sunday weekend. Here locally in Bryan, uh, it's going to be held at Christ the Good Shepherd Chapel. And boy, we sure would like to fill that place up. Uh, The name of this one-day retreat is called Presence, the Mystery of the Eucharist. And you know, Gene, we as Catholics hear things in our heads sometimes, and sometimes it's in our heart, and that distance can be 100 miles someday. (laughs) Well, um, and the other thing that happens sometimes is that uh, that conduit between the two has a rupture. Right, right. And it's called life and distractions, and uh, our focus gets pulled away. So this is an awesome opportunity to pull our focus back towards the Eucharist, which we all know is the source and summit of our Catholic faith. But I wonder sometimes how are we able to explain that and sometimes defend it using Scripture. That's the important focus of this. It's uh, a program put on by the uh, Augustine Institute, which has all of those wonderful apologist names like Dr. Edward Shree, Dr. Scott Hahn, Chris Stefanik, um, all the wonderful apologists that work so very hard to help us as lay people understand it better, believe it more, and be able to express that to someone else that we might uh, in our family, in our friends, at HEB, reaching over the bell peppers, we all need to be able to uh, up our game, if, uh, for lack of a better word. So I want to invite all of our listeners, um, you know, you have to be invited to something seven times before you actually make the commitment. So if you've heard about this, 
let this be what it takes for you to go to the website and sign up for this. It's um, Again, the date is April the 4th. The name of the one-day retreat is Presence, the Mystery of the Eucharist. It's going to be held here in Bryan at Christ the Good Shepherd Chapel. Starts at 9 a.m. and will end at uh, 4.15. We'll have um, some music. We'll be in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Video, small group discussions. Wrap up. We'll have a catered meal. Uh, the registration is $20, and it comes with the study guide. You get an adoration booklet and the lunch. And our hope is that this program will inspire everyone to have that conversation one more time. We already have people signed up from Hearn and Gauls, and Father Ramon over in Hearn is bringing all of his Eucharistic ministers to this. So if you're Fantastic. a ministry leader... Yeah, this ministry leader, what a gift this could be to you to come to something that you don't have to put together, bring your catechist, bring your family. Um, the videos are very well done, and we're encouraging any middle middle school on up would really benefit from it. Uh, we're not discouraging you, but it is going to be a long day if you have... Uh, Judy, kids, you know? just to clarify yeah. again, because we've gotten some some folks who've shown interest in the video, but and they've been excited to hear those names of those great Catholic thinkers and speakers. But just to clarify again, this is a DVD series Correct. that's being watched yeah, with s- small group discussion <laughs> to follow, right? You got you got it. Yeah, I think uh, the day we could have Dr. Scott Hahn, Tim Gray, Edward Shree, and Christophonic at the same place. <laughs> That's not doable, but these DVDs are, and they're okay. very and they're very well, well produced done. as well. Very good production value. So, sure. uh, Judy, you were saying that it takes seven times to hear it to make a commitment. At my age, it's yeah. seven times to hear it just to remember it. So, I'm going to ask you again <laughs> to give us the date and time and location of this. Great. It's it's on Saturday, April the fourth, which is Palm Sunday weekend. What a great way to enter in. To Holy Week, when we celebrate Holy Thursday, the King Kong liturgy uh, approaching to the Easter Vigil. So yeah. April the 4th, Christ the Good Shepherd, 9 a.m. to 4.15, $20 registration fee. Um, m- many cradle Catholics see these videos for the first time and it's like, oh, I've never heard it this way before. This is life changing. Mm -hmm. At this moment in our church, guys, we need to fight back against the dwindling faith, the Pew reports that tell us that less and less people truly believe that we are receiving the body and blood, soul and divinity. And for those of us who do believe it, we want to believe it more, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, Judy, thank um, you so much for uh, joining us this morning to talk about this. Uh, we will uh, try to remember to tell folks about it all the more. And uh, yes. hope you have a great day, Judy. I will. Stjoseph.org to sign up online. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye-bye, Judy. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. We'll talk to Bye you in a couple is- weeks on Roundup. 
Okay, and yeah. I get. I think next we're going to have a recorded interview. Yeah, we've got a Lenten listening challenge going on right now. Add 30 minutes or more of Red Sea Catholic Radio to your day during Lent. See what a difference it makes and tell somebody else to add Red Sea Catholic Radio. Well, we've got, we've got a young man here at St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station who's uh, doing that, and we want to check you check and, you in with him and let you hear and about I, the I, difference it's making I for him. Tell, t- D- I know Diego personally, mm-hmm. and he is a fine young man. He serves as an altar server here, yep. uh, very active at St. Mary's. Yes. Uh, so what he says is going to be very profound and, and uh, powerful. All right, I'm here with Diego Morales. He is taking part in our Lenten Listening Challenge Diego, good morning. Morning, Thaddeus. How are you? I'm doing well. Tell uh, tell us a little a little bit about you. You're a student here at St. Mary's Catholic Center, right? Right, and I'm also a chemical engineering major at Texas A&M University. Congratulations! And your hometown is Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi, Texas, the body of Christ, Texas. Whoop! Exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining our Lenten listening challenge. You know that's where we're asking listeners to add 30 minutes of Red Sea Catholic Radio to their day during Lent. Diego, it's been a couple days. You started it on Ash Wednesday. What's it been like so far? Well, I listened on Ash Wednesday, and uh, as I was falling asleep listening to Al Cresta in the afternoon, uh, I think it was a pre-recorded section. Is that correct? That's right. We uh, record that when it's on in the afternoon, and we time shift it to the end of our day. So uh, just so people understand, you weren't falling asleep in the middle of the day. You were you were listening to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't falling asleep in class. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't, don't worry, folks. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Okay, so you were listening to Al Crest in the afternoon, but during the 11 o'clock hour as part of your bedtime routine. Right, uh, and I, I actually learned something. <laughs> Whoa, hey, newsflash, folks. It's possible to learn something listening yeah. to Red Sea Catholic Radio. And you are not a, you are not a, a listener before this. No, I'm not. <laughs> this is what this is what's so cool about having you take part. Awesome. Right. Um and I think it was actually Edward Shree who was talking about Christ's passion narrative. Oh, the great Edward Shree, yes. Right. And um he was talking about when Jesus was saying at the agony of the garden, I am sorrowful even unto death. And that's actually hearkening back to uh the book of wisdom of Ben Sira. Every friend declares friendship but there are friends who are friends in name only. Is it not a sorrow unto death when your other self becomes your enemy? Mm. And you think what was happening right before the agony in the garden? Well, they were at the Last Supper, right? And Judas had just left to go betray him. Wow, that is. thank you for giving us that this morning. That is wonderful. Yeah, thank you. I, <laughs> I never thought about it that Thanks to Dr. Shree, right? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Shree. <laughs> so... And then, uh, Diego, you're listening to it. Are you still listening to it on your uh, on, through the website? I'm actually starting to listen to it on the on the app on the phone. It's actually pretty easy to download. You just go on the app store and download it, and then you just click listen. <laughs> and so it's very it's very convenient, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So you heard it here first, folks. Get that Red Sea Radio app on your phone, and you too can learn something new. Something something will put this penitential season in a new light, as you heard from. Dr. Edward Shree, through our good friend Diego Morales, who is taking part in our Lenten Listening Challenge. You can start it up now. Tell somebody else to do it, too. Add a half an hour of Red Sea Catholic Radio to your day during Lent. All right, Diego, you're off to an exam. We're praying for you. Do well. Thank you. You, too. All right, bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you, Diego. Uh, I really appreciate what you did there. Uh, one of the things he said there, and I guess I had never really uh, read that scripture uh, about revealing the other self. And uh, uh, what I came to understand mm-hmm. is that living inside of us is a Jesus and a Judas. Yeah, that's a good, and, and good, good so, way to look at it. And uh, so often we are we're very happy when we see the Jesus in us, but we're kind of surprised when we see the Judas in us. Yeah, especially when we see it come out, we don't. Yeah. We, we kind of know it's lurking there, but we don't. Uh, we feel ashamed when when it, when it comes out for sure. Uh, Thaddeus, I'd like you to talk about the family retreat. I don't know how much time we have left here, but yeah, we have a few minutes le- left here in the first part of the show, and we're going to be talking to Dan Burke right about Correct. spiritual warfare and, and discernment, discernment of spirits Correct. in the next in the next segment after the break. But yeah, we had our our third annual. Family retreat at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas this year. So we got another parish involved here in Bryan College Station this year. The subject of the retreat was living the little way. It was the spirituality of St. Therese of Lisieux in the family, or as I was, I learned over the weekend to say, Lisieux. I worked on my French pronunciation a little bit. Um, and it was really, really wonderful. I loved seeing so many families come out. We had a lot of families who had never come to something like that before, who had not um, been on our mailing lists and participated in a Red Sea event before. And so that was great to bring in some new families. We even had three families come from Waco. So thank you so much, Waco, for, for joining in what we were doing down here. And we are seriously planning uh, doing something like a family retreat in the Waco area in the coming years. And there, so we're glad to see that interest there. And we had wonderful speakers, um, Dr. Leonora Batau from the John Paul II Foundation on Marriage and Family, Sister Elizabeth Marie Kolscher, who is a teacher at Frasati High School, and she's a member of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. And we had Juan and Johanna Garcia, who is our uh, family members of our retreat organizer, Angela Okonski, and they came and kind of spoke on the, the nuts and bolts of, of family life under the little way. And you've learned something there. You were telling me before we started the program, you learned something there that you hadn't known before. Oh, yeah, it was, it was really neat. Quickly, I promised myself I was going to try to read the Imitation of Christ daily during Lent, that great spiritual classic of uh of Catholicism. And I learned at the retreat that that was one of the influential works on St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, forming her little way. So that was a really wonderful confluence for me there. Well, that's great. And uh, last thing, just to, to know, I believe today we will have the, all the talks from the retreat up on our website that so that if you weren't able to come, you will be able to listen to those wonderful talks and we'll see you on the other side. Okay. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. Uh, I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. you are going to be very pleased to hear the man that's going is my guest this afternoon. And I welcome all of our listeners. I forgot to do that on the first part of the program, our listeners on 
KEDC 88.5 in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, and KINF in Palestine. And I want to welcome my guest today, uh, Dan Burke. Uh, Some of you may know who he is based on his past life and his current life, Uh, but we're going to be talking about a new book that came out. I guess you, uh, it came out just the couple of months ago, didn't it, Dan, uh, called January 20th, January 20th, and it's called Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. That is a very yep, exactly. interesting title. Well, it's, it's certainly provocative in a way, but it's, it's definitely accurate to the content. But uh, in reading the book, uh, you t- talked a little bit about your, your life and uh, your your life, at least your early life, until uh, you became Catholic, was filled with a lot of spiritual warfare. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was uh, filled with warfare and, um, you know, suffering uh, that, uh, you know, the, the home where we grow up in is supposed to be safe. And mine wasn't all that safe, either spiritually or um, emotionally or physically, actually, either. Um, but the warfare side, uh, the spiritual warfare problem, I guess, came from my mom dabbling in the occult, and she she didn't know that she would cause me any harm. So I don't I don't want to cast dispersions on her, but um, it certainly uh, sometimes when you call into the darkness, nothing comes um, by God's mercy, and sometimes unfortunately something does. That's why we have exorcists, of course, or people in deliverance ministry. And in our case, in my case, something came and uh, tormented me quite a bit as a child and even into my uh, Christian faith, but eventually was delivered from that by God's mercy. Well, that's great. Uh, I, was, I also forgot to tell our, our listeners that if you'd like to talk to Dan, if you have a question, a comment, or something of that nature, please give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And and Dan, uh, you didn't start out life as a Catholic, did you? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Jewish by birth. And, uh, my, um, you know, I attended synagogue when I was a kid younger, um, and uh, that's always been my identity. I'm still a Jew, you know. I'm a, I'm a Hebrew Catholic, so uh, a fulfilled Jew, if you will. But I came to Christ in my late uh, teens, early twenties, just out of uh, I was in despair. I, I when I left my home, I thought I would escape the torment of what I experienced as a child, and and I discovered it wasn't true. It wasn't didn't work that way. Um, and then, uh, so I, I, I really concluded there were only two ends or two rational ways to go. One would be to commit suicide and the other would be to really dedicate myself to finding a reason to live. Uh, why, why, why should I endure all the suffering that was going on in my head and my heart and my mind? And by God's grace, you know, he, he led me to his son, uh, to Jesus, and uh, I became a Christian. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the end of my, my problems. It was the beginning of my healing, but uh, uh, and that was quite baffling to me. Uh, 
I came to hope, you know, in coming to Christ, but I didn't come to peace. And uh, this book really describes uh, the yeah. journey that I had to go on to come to peace. And and that the, uh, the it must have been a very painful experience, not only in your youth, but the struggles that you had until you came to peace. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, the the when you experience what I experience, you it 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 just it dominates your heart and mind. It it um and it just doesn't leave you, and and uh, and it caused me to come to despair. So, um, it, you know, in some ways, it's a gift, right? Because it brought me to Christ, but. And 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 also it gives me the ability to help other people, which is a, a great right. grace. That that but, is uh, that all things work together for the good, and, and the good in this case is what you're able to do for other people, even though you exactly. had to struggle. No, that's exactly true. And and Corinthians says that Second uh, Corinthians, the first part of Second Corinthians says that we you know we we get to comfort others with the comfort that we have received from God, and it's just part of the redemptive plan in the fall before you know all comes to justice in the end, is that we've got to participate in in the, one another's suffering and and help one another to heaven, and it's a great gift. Um, writing this book has really touched a nerve that I, I I expected it would do well. I didn't expect so as well. Um, but it's been number one in, I don't know, three or four categories on Amazon since it was published. That's amazing. To, uh, up to yesterday. So. That is amazing. Uh, that tells me something, that there is a real hunger, that there are other people that are suffering as you had suffered uh, or are a little bit confused as to what God is calling them to do. Well, you know, I, I think that— um, I think that everybody has or, or struggles at some time, or most people struggle at some time or another with anxiety and uh, negative thoughts and that sort of thing. I surveyed a, a while back 400 devout Catholics who are very uh, serious in their spiritual life and discovered that uh, 80%, around 80% of them experienced n- negative or out of control kind of negative or difficult thoughts every week of their life uh, by their own, you know, by their own admission. So um, that's, you know, that really shocked me. I had already experienced the the reality that 70% of the students I have in the course that I teach on discernment of spirits at the Avalon Institute call their their experience transformational so i already knew that was true but i didn't expect the 80 percent to struggle so i think that's why the book's touching a nerve because most people want to figure their way out of this issue many are in, are interested as well in spiritual warfare and and the idea of discernment of spirits so i think the combination of those two is what's connecting and then people are getting the book it's an easy read and they're telling others about it and trying to help their friends who struggle and say here you know here's a way out so i think that's one of the, i think that's why it's you know really uh, uh been so popular uh, and you you mentioned in your book that you were heavily influenced by Timothy Gallagher's The Discernment of Spirits, and I've read that book, and his his is a good—it's an excellent book, but yours seems so much more practical and down-to-earth 
and it's, it speaks in language that is very easy to understand. You don't use a lot of theological and spiritual terms that maybe don't make sense to everybody. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And in fact, I, I really love Father Gallagher's work. I use it as a central text in my own course. I haven't replaced it with my book, you know, if that says something. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, but it's hard, it's hard, you know, to, it's, uh, I don't know how many pages it is. I actually have it here. It's over 200 pages. Yes. Um, it's, it's a bit, tedious not i don't mean that in a bad way but it it it's it, it's repetitive and it's very detailed and most people just struggle unless they're really willing to take a course to sit to sit down and read through that book so my my goal was to say well how do i ramp them up to father gallagher and uh and father william watson as well has done some great work in this area uh who's a jesuit father uh, gallagher is an uh, oblate of the virgin mary and um, so that was my goal, was to create a ramp up to their, um, you know, deeper water uh, and to give people, a, you know, a kind of a field guide to how to deal with the, the challenges that they face in the battle of the heart and mind. Hey, uh, I'm going to go back to your book just a little bit more, and then I have a couple other comments I want to say. Uh, you have an endorsement by, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to find it here because I'm doing this electronic Cardinal Gerhard Müller, who is a former right. prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which which is telling tells me you can't get much more orthodox than this. <laughs> right. Well, the, and what's funny about the endorsements is I have a really eclectic uh, group, you know, yes. um, uh, both from the charismatic community, from uh, from Cardinal Müller. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I I'm uh, I think I have a pretty strong reputation for being very uh, orthodox, not not rigid, <laughs> as some are called, but certainly very committed to the to the heart of the church and the truth that uh, comes out of the magisterium and the right. Holy Spirit's guidance. So, yeah. and you have Ralph Martin too, who who's uh, who's came out of the charismatic renewal at uh, in up in Michigan. Uh, exactly, yeah, and Father Thalen, uh, yeah. uh, Matthias Thalen as well. He's in that. He's in that realm. So, yeah, we've got a real mix of uh, in that, folks who've endorsed it. In that regard, uh, you were talking about the difficulties, and I remember being at a conference one time, a Catholic conference, where they had a, a uh, one of the guest speakers was a uh, Pentecostal uh, minister, and uh, he, he said, people ask me, what's the first sign of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? And he, 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 uh, he had a very different way of talking. It just said trouble that when, <laughs> you know, that people think that when, when you turn your life over to Christ, and you were talking about this, when you turned your life over to Christ, your troubles didn't go away. And you probably actually had more troubles because there was more spiritual warfare going on inside of you than you had before. Well, there's two kinds of battles. One is the battle of, of or, or, or works with the enemy. The enemy's happy to guard uh, a Christian 
uh, a good Catholic, if you will, and, and just stand behind them as they watch television and, and keep the batteries in the remote and the chips coming. Yes. And then at the end of their life, when the ultimate battle comes, they're too weak to fight and they're defeated easily, right? right. So that's one way the war works. And though that war works on those who are passive and who are not active in, the, in their faith. The other way is when somebody says, okay, I'm in, I'm going, let's go, I want to fight, I want to, be, I want to come to know God, I want to serve others. They enter, it's the same battle, it's just different tactics of the enemy. Now the enemy is going to try to dissuade them and discourage them, of course, as you know, and, uh, and distract them. And so, but the great thing is when you enter into battle, you become a, a warrior, you become strong. So, and each time you engage, you become stronger because Christ is always victorious in you, even if the battles aren't always won in your perception. And then uh, when you get to the last battle, you, you, you're, you're, you're armored up and you're ready to go. So uh, it, is, it is true that one of the signs of an authentic uh, faith and an authentic yes to God is that the, the battle is obvious um, to you, but it's certainly nothing to be afraid of, and it's necessary for our salvation. Well, it's uh, there's it's the old saying, and I don't recall who it's from. You may know uh, someone asked, uh, when do the temptations stop? And the answer was about 30 minutes after you're dead. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, when I've always said, when, yeah, when you're when your when your pulse stops, it's exactly right. The temptations are done, um, but yeah, and if, and you know, if we if we don't begin to fight and become aware, that's the other issue is we give in and we don't even know the bondage that we're in, and the things that keep us from God and the things that really threaten the eternal destiny of our souls. Now, the, uh, one of the other things you said, you talked about your mother, and and in this particular case, uh, you didn't do anything to have this. Uh, I'm going to call it oppression, and I don't know whether it's demonic or not, but it came through your mother. I mean, it, so we, we, some of the things we struggle with, we bring on ourselves, and others come through our lineage, our, both our uh, uh, family of origin and also perhaps through our ancestry and whatever nation, national makeup yeah. we have. That and you, yeah. did, you didn't really talk much about that in your book, but that's pretty much the case, is it not? Yeah, and and I, you know, like I said, I don't I don't want to impugn her too much because she no. she was just trying to trying to survive. But it is true, and my oppression actually, and it was oppression, it was heavy oppression, came from two sources. One was her involvement in the occult, and that. I describe one event in the book yeah. that well, terrified me as a child. Yes, I'm, but then also I committed mortal sin, you know, and that the the normative end for any mortal sin is possession. That doesn't mean it happens at every mortal sin, but that is the normative end. So because you're essentially saying complete no to God and, a, and a, as complete a yes to the enemy uh, as you can in that case. And I had done that, and so my process of liberation was a combination of, you know, freeing me from the sins of my family, if you will. And they weren't just of my mother; there was others, um, and uh, this, and then my own sins. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I had to be freed uh, of that in a in a kind of a formal, what you might call a minor exorcism, um, but it, it was 
it was outside of the Catholic Church, so I don't like to give it that label, but it was a deliverance. And legitimately, though, in the name of Jesus, I was set free. Okay, while we're talking about this, could you comment a little bit upon the difference between possession and oppression? Because, uh, yeah, you know, some, yeah. sometimes people confuse those things. Yeah, the fundamental difference between possession and oppression is in possession, you've lost— um, You've, you've almost lost a complete ability to exercise your will. And I, I would say uh, probably lost it completely to exercise your will to be free. So the right of exorcism, what it does is that it, it, it beats up the devil uh, through the exorcist and through the right, which loosens their grip on the victim. And then the victim then has regained some measure of freedom of will. They begin to fight. And then the, the, combination of that activity uh, brings them freedom. In terms of oppression, uh, certainly there are times if it's really severe, you'll need the help of another, um, but the will is not as compromised as it is in possession. So that's, a, I mean, a, you know, there's a lot more on this and I'm, I don't claim to be an expert, well, but that's a, a short uh, description from my own experience. One of the things I saw in the book, and we're going to get more into the book itself in a little bit, but one of the things I saw in the book is that you you um, cautioned against people uh, wanting to be prayed with for deliverance and not have to do anything themselves. Uh, it's the way I took it. And that that, that yeah, they, they, you I may mean, be prayed for. Yeah. It's okay to be prayed for deliverance, but you have to make some choices that are different from the choices you've been making. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's well said, and and I think it's it's you. I did imply that uh, I, you know, it, working in the context of deliverance ministry, having some experience, what you, what a, a, an experienced exorcist, as an example, if someone comes to them and is not willing to change their life, they will not waste their time with the person. So if if a, if a person doesn't have some semblance of a willingness to leave behind the 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 context within which their um, their uh, possession has uh, taken place or the the attachments related to that or relationships or whatever, if they're not willing to give that up, then you can't really you know set the person free. And and you know the passage in in the Gospels where Jesus says. You know, you you got it. You can clean the house of demons, but if you don't, the implication is if you don't fill it again, seven more are going to come back into its into their place. Then what are you so, going to fill it with? I mean, that, what do you fill it with? It, of course, yes, is the Catholic light. It's the it's it's the fullness of the Catholic faith. You know, the sacraments, frequent uh, Eucharist, frequent confession, self, you know, deliberate self giving and giving yourself to away to others and serving others and just living the life of a Christian in the context of the church is what you fill it with uh, prayer, daily mental prayer. Um, uh, those are the things that, that help you to escape uh, and on a permanent basis. And it's also why, by the way, uh, people who have gone through exorcism tend to be very holy people because uh, they know the battle and, and they have a harder battle to fight to keep the enemy away than the normal person, but they, they of course, uh, understand the absolute vital uh, reality of, of 
being present with Jesus daily in mental prayer, in the daily in the Eucharist, regularly in the sacraments in order to maintain that freedom. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to Red Sea Roundup, and my guest today is Dan Burke. He's the author of uh, the book, Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. Uh, if uh, you'd like to give us a call, uh, you can call us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. Dan, what you, we talked about filling it up. It, it's kind of like... Uh, uh, what you're talking about is uh, in that is sort of like cleaning out your attic or your garage, getting everything out and finding all sorts of new junk to put in there. And, uh, it, it's, what, yeah. are you, what are you going to put in it? And, and are you going to put in your treasures or are you just going to carry the trash that, that you do, that you have? Uh, and so many of us carry burdens of trash around with us all the time. And what God really wants us to do is to hand those things to him uh, so that he can dispose of them. But, but so frequently, don't we go back and try to pick them back up again? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's hard to deal with in terms of when you when you begin to break out of habitual, let's say, habitual mortal sin, which is a habitual no to God, even if you're in the church or in the sacraments, you're, you're still deeply disposed to saying no, which means you empty out all the the, the garage uh, of all the of all the smelly garbage and and say oh look i'm clean and then you and then the next day you're piling stuff back in there again right and it gets stinky and smelly again well you take it off the garbage um, pile and bring it back sure that's another way of looking at the analogy and and whenever you do that essentially mortal sin in particular you're pushing god completely out it's it's a you're cut off from the life of grace and that's why if, if you die in that state you end up in hell it's because you fundamentally it's not because god's a bad, mean God that wants to punish you, but you fundamentally said, you know what, I understand your plan for my life, and I'm just not all that interested, so how about no, and uh, I'm going to move on. Well, of course, when we say no to God, not only do we bring all the garbage back in, but we also bring the demonic forces in, because a no to God at any level is a yes to the enemy, to yes to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then that, and so not, not only your garbage comes back, but a bunch of other friends that you don't want to have as friends bring their garbage and reinforce your garbage. Oh, yeah. And so, Will you just store this for me for a few weeks? What was that? It's sort of like, well, you just store this for me for a few weeks, and it's there for five years. Well, and they'll try to convince you that it's okay, right? That's yeah. one of the yeah. one of the tactics of the enemy. They give you a false peace and say, you know, the garbage really doesn't smell all that bad. In fact, you know, it gives you this pleasure. And don't you remember that this feels good? And you know, and just think what this wonderful. And, just think of the wonderful compost it's making as it disintegrates. That it's going to be so good for well, something else. <laughs> You have it exactly right, and, and St. Ignatius calls that the enemy will give you false reasons, false reasoning for why you should stay in sin, and he'll give you a false peace um, for why you should stay in sin. And the, bad, and the good spirits are saying to you at the same time, hey, you're, you're ruining your life. Hey, you're, you know, you're causing destruction in the lives of others, those that I've died for, and this really doesn't make sense. Um, and the good spirit will make you feel bad in that sense. Um, and and rob you of your peace, 
which is contrary to a lot of popular advice, by the way. There's a lot of advice out there in the Christian world that says if, you, if you're at peace about something, it's God's will. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but maybe not. I think it's a lot more, it's a bit more complicated than that. Well, it depends upon how much your soul, spirit, and mind have been anesthetized. Sure, sure. If, if you're going from mortal sin to mortal sin, the good spirits are going to take away your peace, and the bad spirits are going to try to give you a false peace. That's the bottom line. If you're going from good to better, as St. Ignatius says, and he, he uses the word intensely, uh, which means that you're fighting against sin and fighting toward God, the, the good spirit begins, becomes the encourager, and the bad spirit becomes the discourager, which is um, a part of that's, uh, the, the rules that Ignatius, the spiritual warrior that he is, gives us that I laid out in the book. And they, you've just touched upon, you've just talked about the first two rules of discernment of spirits as you've outlined them, outlined them in the book, where as like Father right. Gallagher talks about, the first one is when a person moves away from God as rule one. Right. And you've talked about right. going, you, you t- uh, did that as when a person goes from, for those moving from mortal sin to mortal sin, and then the second rule you have is for those moving from good to better. And right, so right. That, that makes it that makes a lot more. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me uh, in that particular thing. And you were talking earlier yeah. also about uh, uh, not wanting to make a change, wanting to have it all handed to you without having to make any change in your life. And that's b- basically uh, for for those of us that go to when we say the act of contrition, uh, we say avoid the near occasions of sin. And so, right. what you're saying, what what you're saying in another way is to avoid those occasions of sin and those occasions that invite the enemy in. Yeah, and it's a way; it's a change in the way you live. You know, how do you avoid the near occasion of sin? So, what is, you know, if if let's say a person struggles with pornography, well, uh, you know, my question to them is, what was in your mind? What happened? You know, it's wrong, right? So what happened in your mind or what was the event that triggered the behavior that would make you go against what you know is right, which is where that's the realm of mortal sin and do that. And so then, okay, well, that's the near occasion of sin. So, so one student one time told me, well, it's when I start getting stressed as I'm heading into testing. And I said, well, great, then let's build a plan to exit out of that and, and build some accountability as you're heading into testing time, make sure you're with somebody as much as you can be, but that's how you avoid the near occasion of sin. But that's the battle against the enemy in the flesh that real, I, I should say, Christians who are really going to make progress are willing to undertake. Whereas those who don't have a firm, uh, you know, a, a firm commitment to amendment to amending their life, which makes, which invalid, which re- removes the efficaciousness, if you will, of the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, if you don't have, if you don't have that, then you're just going to keep falling into sin. So it, it, sometimes people just have to, as with the prodigal son, end up with the pigs and end up in the kind of the the worst outplay of their sins uh, possible or a very bad one before they go, okay, I'm done with this slop. I'm done with this mess. I'm going back to the father. It's kind of like in the 12 step program that they talk about. You you can't really move up until you've hit rock bottom and turn your life totally over to God. 
Yeah, and I wish it wasn't true, but that's the way it happens most of the time. It certainly was true with me. My rock bottom, as I noted, was a part of my was part in part my own sin, but also in part the the spiritual patrimony that I inherited that was very dark and problematic. But but yeah, I came to the end of myself. Thank God, very young. Uh, um, and I'm so grateful that I'm grateful a couple of my, you know, my children have done the same. Uh, they figured it out before they hit 30 that uh, they're not the, <laughs> they're not God and, and that they need him, you know, but sometimes uh, folks take a, a lot longer than that and have to go a lot deeper into sin. But what you've talked about your mother, but it was, I'm sorry, have you talked about your your mother, but was your father at all involved in any of this when this was going on? Did you have a male? So my birth, my birth father was agnostic and he was being a provider. My parents divorced when I was young and my stepfather, first Catholic I ever met, the one that fired a gun in our home and beat my mother into the emergency room. So my stepfather wasn't involved in the occult stuff that I'm aware of, but certainly he uh, uh, terrorized us and um, caused uh, quite a bit of uh, a harm. Mm, it, it sounds very traumatic. Uh, it, it was, yeah. We, we've talked a lot about oppression and uh, possession and that type of thing. Tell us a little bit about discernment of spirits. What does what does that really mean? And, and the, your 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 topics you have got two or three pages, and then you've got some questions that somebody can talk about. It'd be a very good book for a discussion group or whatever. But what is what does it really mean, discernment of spirits? I mean, in that sense, or to, to discern spirits is to is to um, is to decide as to the origin or the or the goodness or badness, if you will of uh, influences or forces in our life um, that are trying to move us either to heaven or hell. So the process of discernment might be a little easier to understand, and that is to understand is the beginning of the process that there, those forces exist, um, that they're, and that they're outside of us. A lot, a lot of times people think, well, I feel this way, or I think this way, or I'm down or depressed and they don't realize, well, maybe that has an external source and you're being manipulated. So understanding uh, is the, is, is one of the first steps. So you're aware of it, you understand what's going on, and then you uh, understand how to take action. And the book describes through scripture and uh, the wisdom of this great spiritual warrior, St. Ignatius, how you take action. And there are only two uh, courses of action, which are not complicated. When you discern something that's from the good spirits, which is really from God, you embrace it. And when you discern something is from the bad spirits, you reject it. And, And Ignatius gives uh, most most of the rules in the first set of 14 rules, which I cover in the book, uh, or you might call them guidelines for spiritual battle, are related to dealing with desolation. So you know, it's obvious in, in our minds to say, well, we would resist the devil, certainly. But he gives specific ways that the devil works so you understand how to specifically resist uh, and and be effective at that. So when you say, what is discernment of spirits? It's, it's the understand, it's, uh, you're being aware of the forces 
that are going on, understanding them, and then knowing how to respond. Now, I'm going to make a couple, another comment here. You you mentioned scripture. Uh, you have scripture throughout your book. I mean, it, and it's yeah. very effectively used to talk about what what your the topic at hand. Uh, and I think that's that's just so wonderful that that somebody can go back and look at the like Romans twelve one and two and see yeah. that and think about that and put that in a context where they can understand what God's word is telling them. And and the Well oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead, Norman, go ahead. Well, the reason that's there is because so all of those passages in the book, I didn't have to look them up. Uh, they were they're memorized. So I you know, I don't have the book in my hand, but I can when you said Romans twelve one, it's be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The reason I memorized them and the reason they're so prominent for me is because of how much I was hurting and struggling. And and I was desperate to understand how to figure this out. So I started to some of the passage I just took to memory the second I read them by the Holy Spirit's grace and others I purposefully ruminated over and over and asked, what does it mean? How, you know, and the, the wrestling I had as a young Christian was I've given my life to Christ. I have hope. Why don't I have peace? Why am I struggling with these nightmares? Why am I struggling with these bad behaviors still? I thought I would leave all this behind. And then going to scripture and Jesus said, I I promise you this peace. And St. Paul speaks of the peace that passes understanding. And, but then beginning to kind of go, okay, what does that mean? And how, how crazy is it to say you should have a peace that passes understanding when there are people being crucified and losing their homes and their livelihood and their freedom and being imprisoned and you're telling me you can have peace in that context, and I don't have any of those problems, and I don't have any peace. And it was just that process of really figuring that out. And it's, I mean, it's pretty, scriptures, you know, it, it's not uh, uh, real mysterious. It's not, I don't think, all that hard. Um, it, it was just a, a process of ruminating and saying, well, what, Lord, does that mean? And, okay, then how do I apply that? What, is, what does it mean when James, uh, St. James and the epistle, his epistle says, draw near to God, you know, resist the devil, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, how do you resist the devil? And yeah. reading in other passages about how that works, um, uh, that's what set me, that's what set me on a healthier course, of course, before I became Catholic, and then Catholic mystical tradition I finished my healing in as much as healing is ever finished. You know, I, I don't struggle with anxiety anymore. Well, and, and what you're talking about, that ruminating on Scripture, uh, it, you're really living the first three verses of, of Psalm 1. Uh, it, you're meditating on His law day and night, which is basically ruminating, which is that, that, that cow rechewing this stuff. I mean, it, you just take it over and over and over again until you've got it down. And that's a real gift I learned from Protestants. I remember the yeah. first passage I think I ever memorized was um, Psalm 119.11. I've hidden thy word in, in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I think that's right. But uh, mm-hmm. King James was my first Bible translation right. that I memorized from. But yeah, and, and Scripture, as you know, I can tell by the way you talk about it, is not just ink and paper. It's It actually has power because it's the Word of God. It's the, it, it's the it's very a- words— it's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's exactly right. And and Scripture, when you 
put your mind and heart into it and you give your mind and heart to it, it, it be what it did for me is it essentially began to rewire my brain. You know, one of the things that was liberating for me was, so I was told some pretty negative things when I was a kid or, and overheard some pretty negative things about my worth and, and that sort of thing. And then it's what a beautiful thing to go to scripture and read in Psalms where it says that we're knit together in our mother's womb or in Ephesians one, where it says that we're set apart by God uh, for his creation before the foundation of the world or the catechism that says that he created us for love and in love, you know, and, and the very fact that we exist is evidence that he loves us. And, and before the catechism, of course, I uh, immersed myself in all, all of these passages that said, you know, you're called by God, you're loved, you're liberated, you're set free, you're his beloved, you know, you've been adopted, you know, all of these beautiful passages and repeating them to myself over and over as they applied to the lies that I was believing uh, really was uh, uh, life-changing for me, liberating. It took a long time, but it was liberating step by step. Actually, in the culture that the New Testament was written, you were better off being adopted than a natural born because an adopted child could not be disowned where a natural child could. So to be adopt- God's adopted child is really a, is great. I mean— It's a high status. It yes, doesn't it is. mean you're a stepchild. It means yeah. that, yeah, as you know— You were chosen. Law, right. You were specifically chosen. It wasn't that you know there was a lottery uh, and and you came out and the, the, you know and you the were third prize. You. <laughs> uh, right, right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, desolation and consolation. Uh, too many, uh, as I see it, even in my own life, too many decisions are made based upon my emotional state at the time, and uh, yeah. the discernment of spirits. Uh, sometimes you're not supposed to make a decision when you're you're in a, an emotional state. Would you like to comment on that, on that a little bit? Yeah, rule number five is one of the most important rules. And, and in Father Gallagher's book, he, he references Galadriel and the Lord of the Rings when she gave Frodo the little vial of light. And she, and she said to him, this is the light uh, that you will turn to when all the other lights go out, which is very ominous. Um, but rule number five is like that. And it, it basically says that when you're in uh, desolation, which is you're feeling doubt, despair, narcissism, slothfulness, stupidity, uh, drawn to your lower nature and away from God. So when you're in that state, you do not change, make a change to spiritual commitments you made when you were in consolation. Um, and I'll give you an, an illustration. So I, I speak around the country and outside of the country on uh, prayer in the interior life. So I just gave a conference in Boulder. And a bunch of people made a commitment to pray more, right? So let's say you're a guy who was at the event and you said, well, I've, I've never practiced daily mental prayer, but I'm going to do it 15 minutes a day. The next, so you're, you're in consolation. You're on a high from the conference. You set your alarm clock for the next morning earlier. The alarm clock goes off. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to experience desolation. Why? Because the enemy wants to discourage you from that good commitment you made. And so what's that look like? The alarm clock goes off. Your body says, you know, <laughs> it's, it, Glenn, it's really uh, cold out there. And the devil says, yeah, it's cold. And, and Glenn, uh, you know, um, you're a really good man. Uh, or I'm sorry, Glenn, it's Gene. You're a really good man. And you, uh, 
and you already do all of this good, you really don't need to do this. And your body says, yeah, listen to him. You really don't need to do this. And by the, and besides that, if you want to do it, do it tomorrow, right? And the devil and your body agree and you hit the snooze button and, and then you lose, right? Right. So, uh, so what Ignatius says is if, if you make that commitment, be really aware that you're going to have desolation. And when you have that desolation, do not change from the the commitment that you made and he even and he explains why he says when you're in desolation the voice of god is very hard to hear or the encouragement of the good spirits is hard to hear and it's faint and it doesn't have much power the voice of the enemy and the bad spirits are very strong and they're oppressive to you and that drive to not do the good thing is very heavy and weighty on you we, we have uh, just about – I, I hate to interrupt. We're just about out of town. We've got about yeah. one minute, and I want to make sure people know what the name of the book is, where to get it, and uh, where we could get hear those podcasts that you and your wife did on this same topic. Yeah, I have two things for you. Spiritualdirection.com is the number one place, and if you text me to the number 38470, 38470 with the message warfare, I'll also give you a free mini course on uh, – on um, discernment of spirits as well. That's, I don't know, seven hours or so of, of lectures. So it's 38470 and, and the message is warfare, a text message, and or you can go to spiritualdirection.com and there's always a way to find what we do there. And there's also the Avila Institute? Yeah, the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation. It's avila-institute.org, and that's where we give courses on uh, spiritual theology. My guest today has been uh, Dan Burke, author of Spiritual Warfare and Discernment of Spirits, and uh, we are just about going out of time. Dan, I thank you so much for being here. Can you hold on for just a minute after we're, 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 the program is done? I'd like to say a couple of things to you. And, Absolutely. And remember, folks— when choosing the, between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up 